to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm your host, Caroline Juster, and today we have a special guest on the show. Marco Scalbazzini is a good friend of mine. He has a very interesting life and career, and I'm really excited to talk to him about the intersection of, of health and fitness and the nightlife industry and electronic music. So I've talked about this on the show before, and if anyone follows me on Instagram, you will know this, but electronic music has actually been a really big part of my life for more than a decade. I first started going to shows when I was in college, actually before I turned 21, so going to like concert type shows and festivals before I was allowed to go to clubs because I couldn't drink. And that's actually where I met Marco was in 2013 in Las Vegas at a festival. So we've known each other a long time. That was the same year that I met my partner, James. So I met a lot of people that are really important to me through electronic music and the music itself is something that I really love and I'm really passionate about. And so as I'm doing my work with you know, musicians, creative people in general, I definitely want to speak to people that are working in this side of music as well. I think Marco's going to share some of his thoughts about why health is so important in the nightlife industry, but there's definitely maybe some different concerns than if you're like a classical music or someone who works in an office. So Marco, why don't you tell people listening a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, firstly, thank you for having me, Caroline. I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, I really like what you're doing with with this podcast, uh, the interviews that you've been doing, but also just the podcast where you're just sharing your own story and your own journey up to where you are now. Regarding myself, like Caroline said, my name is Marco. Um, I was born in Italy, uh, raised between Italy and the United Kingdom, and then I moved to the United States in uh, 2010. I moved to Chicago to go to DePaul University, where I uh, majored in business management and entrepreneurship. And while I was at DePaul University uh, um, and uh, living in Chicago, uh, obviously passionate about electronic music myself, I just started going to various venues and clubs in the city, and I started to make friends. And I started to kind of just bring groups of friends to to these nights where we wanted to see our favorite DJs. And somebody was like, hey, you know, you can get paid for doing this. I was like, wait, what? Somebody can pay me to, to party and bring my friends? And, <laughs> and that's kind of like how it sort of started at the beginning. And when I met Caroline, when I met you, I had started this uh, kind of in real life group, but that was represented by a Facebook group called House of Shy, play on the words of house music, but also the home of Shy being Chicago. Um, and uh, we started to basically promote in various clubs and venues, and we started throwing our own uh, little events here and there. But it came to a point where basically kind of like that had uh, run its course. And I think it was like the middle of 2015. And I decided to move to Los Angeles, which I did at the end of that year. 
Uh, and the goal here was not to work in the nightlife industry. Uh, I did want to remain connected to it. So I applied for a job to write for a, uh, an online music publication called 6am. And uh, then I moved here and I was just looking for jobs and I was not having much luck because I was on a work visa. So of course, as you can imagine, understandably, a lot of people were uh, that were applied for the same jobs, but were American were given were given preference because uh, employers don't have to deal with the whole green card process and all of that kind of stuff. And so as I kept writing for the 6M blog and being more involved with that group and seeing that I was not getting a job, I kind of uh, played my cards and just got more involved in 6M. I got involved with the social media side of things. And then um, I eventually decided that, A, I wanted to organize events. I wanted to book artists, bring them to LA and um, organize events for a living and you know, I went through some personal sacrifices in that period of time and then started doing my first events and I think uh, officially kind of started that in 2017. So it's been about six years now and it's been uh, some of the greatest years of my life. It's not the greatest years of my life. I met my wife through that too. Uh, we recently got married, just came back from honeymoon. So yeah, electronic music has definitely been uh, a big part of my life since obviously I arrived in Chicago both personally, but uh, as well as with a career. And like, like you said, Caroline, it has uh, brought me so many amazing people to my life from my wife to such amazing friends as yourself. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see all the connections that it's made. And actually, I, me and uh, James were there when Marco met his wife. So, you know, we got to see the yeah, true, like yeah. beginning of their relationship and we went to their wedding and just like even if as people move out of the scene, they've stayed connected. That House of Shy group that you build is such a great group of people. And like we still hang out with a lot of them. So it's just very cool to see even like beyond the events, the like personal connections that the group and that the electronic music scene has fostered. So, like I said, I want to talk a lot with you about what you see as some of the issues regarding health and fitness in the electronic music community. And when I talk about the community, I know you have your hands in a lot of different parts of it. So obviously you were a fan first, you've organized and run events, you do that currently. I know you've managed artists as well. So you have sort of seen, I think, all of the different sides, like the organizational side, the, the part of just being a fan, the side of the artists. And so I, I think you have a really unique perspective and can probably share some insights. And I know that health and fitness and stuff has been important to you as well. And I know that that's something that you've talked about periodically through your writing and through your brand. So I'm just curious, like through all your time in the industry, what are some of the most common health, fitness-related challenges that you see with either artists or you know promoters like yourself or just the community in general? It's definitely an important subject to me because, of course, I mean we have one body, we we have to take care of it, and uh, you know as we grow older, that becomes even more important. Although it's always important, but specifically in this industry, as anybody who's in it, both whether you are an, an event attendee or whether you work in it. But I think also people that are, may not be into electronic music, they know the stigma that surrounds it, right? It's, it's a party scene, right? So there's a lot, there's drinking, there's drugs around, just like with any party scene, whether it's electronic music, hip hop, rock, pop, you can find that everywhere. But that of course exists in, in, in nightclubs, venues, the festivals and all of that. So. Um, it's definitely an industry that that comes with with that stigma, 
but I would say from my own personal experience, uh, there is an element of truth to that. Like the stereotypes comes is there for a reason, right? Because we are just surrounded by by all of these sort of temptations and the staying up late, uh, three day weekends where we're not sleeping, where we're partying, or there's drinking, and then those who uh, choose to partake in doing drugs do drugs, and so that that exists as well. And so that's why it's been important for me in my journey, firstly realizing not realizing for me that was always the case it's like we're we're in we're lovers of this music because we love the music and we go out to these shows because we love the music then of course yeah would i like to have a drink or two absolutely you know just like somebody who may want to go to a reggae show for uh, again using a stereotype may want to get i smoke weed like i don't know you know it, it it is just part of kind of what that environment has uh, but it's become more and more important. And in order for this love of this music and of this environment and be able to sustain it, be able to, to party for years, to see your favorite DJs for a long time. And for me, I consider that I consider myself a lifer, somebody who wants to do this for life because it's really a, a part of who I am. Then you have to take care of yourself. And, and that's when, you know, Sleeping well becomes important, uh, you know, how you prepare your body before you go to a festival, during a festival and after a festival, that's important. The right vitamin supplements, how you're eating is important. Are you drinking enough water? That becomes important, you know, uh, and so all of these uh, are elements that can become a point of strength if you're no, if you're educated and you know your body, you listen to your body, you know your mind, you listen to your mind and you're able to figure out what works best for you. And for a lot of people, it's a weakness uh, because there's addiction, there's temptation. And sometimes people just have the wrong purpose, the wrong intention when they are partying or when they are in these environments. And so they get lost in in like vicious cycles or uh, just wrong, wrong bad habits that, that, you know, that can hinder either their career, if they're a DJ, a music producer, a promoter, or working in a nightclub or in a venue, uh, or as an attendee, they can, they can truly wear you out and that can start to neg negatively affect how you are with your, you know, interpersonal relationship with your loved ones. It can negatively affect how you perform at work. Uh, it can negatively affect your mood and just generally your well-being. So I think that's, the first struggle that most people kind of have to come to terms with, especially young people that come in, they're all excited. They want to party. It's, they can just not start drinking. They're independent. And so they feel invincible. <laughs> exactly. And, and I get it because when you are younger, your recovery period, your recovery after you party is a lot quicker, right? You know, it, it is true that past your thirties or even your late twenties, as the years go on, you know, the hangovers get more brutal. They get longer, har harder to to cure, and that's why, like for me, like for example, I probably have, even though I'm at a, in a party setting, I don't know how many days of the year, uh, seventy five, fifty to seventy five. I don't know between work, personal. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it could be more than that. I don't know. I haven't counted, but I probably have. Three to four hangovers in a year. Like I've come to that point where I'm just like, you know, I know my body. I know my limits. I know what's good for me. I know how to drink, get to a good point, but also feel good the next day, not wasted away. Uh, and, and, you know, these are things that you kind of, you learn one, 
once you value yourself and you value why you're you're into this music and into the scene and two once you once you you kind of mature a little bit also and you're you you want to kind of you realize that it's important to to take those measures yeah i agree with a lot of what you said one thing that i that i really like is like for me it's always been about the music sure i like to see my friends i like to have fun but I feel like some people do get sucked into things for the wrong reason or, or they, you know, are prone to addiction or they find themselves in a challenging situation, whatever. But if you are someone who wants to just keep going to shows because you enjoy the music, you know, taking care of yourself is like a longevity concern, right? Like you want to be feeling good. You want to be in a good place in your life so that maybe not, I mean, you work in the industry, but like for someone like me, who's just a fan, I'm certainly not going out 50 to 75 times a year. But if, if someone gets booked, like I want to be able to go to a show and know that that I'm resilient and that, you know, I might be a little tired <laughs> for a few days, sure. uh, especially as someone who wakes up really early for work. It's, it's a bit of an adjustment, but I, I know that like overall my health is good. And so I can do something like staying up really late that maybe isn't like perfect health. Like a lot of coaches would probably say like, you should never do that, but it's something that I really value and it's a rewarding experience. And like, it's sort of like maintenance work so that you can do that stuff and it takes less of a toll on you and then you're not ending up in, in a bad position where things are like getting worse and worse and worse. What do you think are, you mentioned a lot of things kind of in a row. What do you think are some of the most important things for people in nightlife to focus on? Um, for example, I know you mentioned obviously sleep is sort of like the uh, big issue. And I would be curious how you deal with that personally, because I know that you also like to get up and go to the gym and you, you are running businesses and stuff and yet you're going out. So that's one thing. But what are some of the other things as well that you think are especially important for people that are involved in nightlife? Yeah, uh, sleep, like you said, obviously, uh, to kind of answer your question. Uh, generally I'm in bed between 9.30 and 10 p.m. Uh, I will fall asleep somewhere between 10 and 11, sometimes 11.30. I tend to, today I woke up at five. I tend to wake up generally around 5.36. And what I try to do, like tomorrow I have an event, tomorrow night the event is from 11 p.m. till 6 a.m. on Sunday. So uh, tonight I will drink coffee in the evening. I will try to stay up a little bit later, maybe 12, 1 o'clock sleep in a little bit more tomorrow. If I can get a nap in, I will tomorrow. Otherwise for me, Saturdays as just relax as much relaxed. I, I'm not going to go on a hike. I'm not going to be day drinking. I'm just going to take it easy on my body. Take it easy on myself. I may garden. I may take, I'll take my dog on a walk and I, I, I may, I may go to the shops or, and I may go to brunch and have a beer, but I'm not putting my body through anything that is going to leave it less prepared than I wanted to for the night. Having healthy meals, drinking a lot, uh, wearing comfortable shoes, wearing earplugs when I go to the show tomorrow. And then I will basically work the night. I will typically come back home around seven, uh, sometimes seven 30. And I'm usually in bed, you know, I shower and I get to bed by eight, eight 30. And then I just try to sleep as long as possible. Sometimes that's hard because I have duties on Sunday, like bringing artists back to the airport or taking them around LA if it's their first time. But but then basically I just have a really early night in on Sunday, and then generally I'm ninety percent of the time I'm back at the gym at six o'clock on a Monday morning. So so far that has worked. I'm sure as the years go on that will become harder. But uh, there I touched upon you know getting good sleep, eating well, hydrating. All of those are really important, and I kind of touched upon. Uh, for me, alcohol is like the worst thing. 
like for me, if, if, if I'm hungover or even like, I really went a little bit overboard and the next day I'm not a 100%. I'm just like not a 100% mentally. I'm not a 100% physically. Everything is a struggle. And not only is it a struggle, but then I will hate how I feel. And then if I'm like, for example, if I was to drink tonight and then tomorrow would have to go to work and last until six, seven in the morning, I would just start hating my job. The thing for industry professionals, that's also important. Like you want to enjoy what you do. It's for most of us, if not all of us, it's it's like a dream come true to be able to work in, in this in this business, in this uh industry that where we have such a strong passion. So uh, you know, those are important. There is an element of like if you're gonna do drugs, there's all sorts of drugs and they are a lot, if not most of them, have some negative effect on your body. Being educated about what those are and making decisions accordingly. I think that's super important. Again, education, just knowing what those are. And also not knowing just what those are just generally, but how do they affect you? Because I've noticed for certain people, certain things have different effects. So for one person... I know some friends that like to party and do one thing and some other friends like to party and do another. You know, it, it's just different. It affects people differently. And so you just got to know your body, listen to your body, and then make the responsible decisions from there. Yeah, it's good advice. The education piece, testing, understanding. Absolutely. All of that stuff is so, so important. It's interesting for me because I've never been a big drinker. I enjoy craft beer. I enjoy cocktails. But if I have more than like maybe two or three drinks. I actually feel, even in the moment, I feel like physically very bad. I feel like nauseous. And so I'd, I've never actually been able to drink very much. And so all these years of going out, I, I have really not drank much at the club. The other thing is if even if I have like one beer, I'm like falling asleep. <laughs> so it's not really conducive if I'm trying to see a headliner or something. I'm curious with people that you know and the artists, do you think that, do you have any advice, let me phrase it this way, for people who are trying to drink less at these events or, or monitor their intake of alcohol so that they can feel better and enjoy fewer hangovers and, and those other benefits that you mentioned? Yeah, I would say, I mean, uh, regardless of how much alcohol you're going to drink, just drink water before, in between drinks. Like, that's that's really important. Like, it, it really makes a difference. Even if you're going to have, let's say, eight beers in one night or eight cocktails in a night, if you do have a glass of water in between before and after, it, it will just make a difference. It will just help you, even if you're you know, excessively drinking, if you will. Space your drinks out, too. The water helps. Instead of having X amount of drinks within two hours, if you have them over six hours with the water in between, that helps. I noticed, this is for me, and I think it applies to other people that I've talked to, but perhaps not everybody, there is like a kind of like uh, people who smoke cigarettes. Like there's also the habit of just holding a cigarette and the kind of motion of smoking. I feel sometimes like I need to have a drink in my hand. And I think just mentally training yourself that that is not necessary and or replacing that drink in your hand from being an alcoholic drink to something else. And here not, there's as options, there's not just water. For example, carbonated water for me works even better. Like something like LaCroix or Spindrift or something like that. It kind of, it's like, oh, I'm drinking something that's flavored. It could be kind of a cocktail, but it's not. But I'm feeling like I, you know, uh, I, it's kind of like a placebo effect, if you will, uh, that works. 
I don't recommend drinking a lot of Red Bull, but there is uh, there's some healthier yerba mates going around. For example, at our events, we we carry um, uh, a yerba mate brand called Yate, which uh, has been specifically designed for the nightlife industry by uh, uh, people that frequent events. And it's like an emerging brand out here. I know in Europe, Club Mate is really, really popular. It's not quite so easily available here. You could also have coffee. Uh, we started to carry cold brews at some of our events, but that could also be helpful. But it's just, uh, you know, it's spacing these things out. It's listening to your body, drinking, and just finding alternatives uh, so that you you don't always have to, it doesn't always have to be a beer or a cocktail. It's funny that you mentioned the club soda because years ago, uh, before the pandemic, when I was working at a commercial gym and I had a lot of clients that were professionals in downtown Chicago, a big issue people had, which was similar, was that they would go to happy hours, they would go to dinners, and there would be a lot of pressure to drink, or or they assumed that there was pressure to drink, even if it wasn't actually real. And I would give the same advice, and it actually really does work. You might have a few people that are a little bit pushy, but for the most part, and again, from my experience as being someone who doesn't really drink at all, I feel like when you're firm with most people, especially if they're people that you're close with, like they will respect you. Yeah. And if they don't, that might be <laughs> a different kind of conversation that you need to have with those people because they're as in essence, like violating a boundary. If you're like, no, I don't want to drink. And they're like, you have to drink, you have to take shots or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's funny. The same advice works, of course, in any, <laughs> any situation where you, you want to have a drink or you want to have the appearance of, of having a drink. Yeah. I was going to say, just adding a little kind of parenthesis there. Like I've, you know, Having a dry spell is also really good, sort of just, just getting your body cleaned up. And it's also a, just a good thing you can say to people. Like, I, I, I'm I'm just not drinking this month. I'm not drinking this weekend. I, I'm doing a cleanse or whatever. Like you said, if like, if, especially if it's a friend and they're like either making fun of you or, or really making that uncomfortable for you, then it's perhaps time to like have a word with that person or kind of reconsider your friendship or maybe not reconsider your friendship, but just be like, look, like you got to support, like, this is important for me. You got to support my, my goals, right? you know, but most people, I mean, I personally, if somebody, if I offer the shot to somebody and they're like, I'm not drinking, I'm like, oh, good for you. You know, and that's almost like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do the shot. You know, it, 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 it just depends on how you look at it. But I think that that's also kind of a little trick that you can use both for yourself and other people. Yeah, that's good advice. So you mentioned going to the gym. I'm curious, like, if you see any specific benefits of a fitness routine as related to being in nightlife, going to shows, either for yourself or from people that you've worked with or uh, know from the community. Absolutely, 100%. Um, and this is something that almost every person in my team who regularly works out in one way or another, whether it's uh, a team sport, a solo sport that they frequent often, or it's, it is just going to the gym and doing some, some sort of uh, exercises, whether it's weights, cardio, a mix or whatever. The first thing that people tell me and the first thing that I feel is just the mental benefit. For me, especially as somebody who goes to the gym in the morning, it just sets me up for the day. Like I, I just feel like I go to the gym, I do that. I, I, I get in communication with my body. I reflect a lot when I'm at the gym too. I have time to think. I'm not just like pushed on work right away. It's not just like I wake up, uh, I work from home. So for me, it would be just like wake up, walk the dog, make myself a coffee and I'm immediately at work. For others, it may just be like wake up, uh, commute, get to the office and you're immediately at work. So 
for me, the mental benefit, it, it's first and foremost, like the biggest thing that I, I, I look for in, in having a, a scheduled routine of when I work out. And that's why I prefer to do it in the morning. I know for others that may not be possible. I know others just prefer to do it in the evening. But I think uh, first and foremost, that's that's the benefit that I get. And then, of course, the physical benefits too. I, I'm a, a hiker like I know you are too, Caroline. Uh, I backpack like I know you, you have been too, especially recently. Yeah, you've Marco's done a lot of really, really cool hikes. I'm jealous of some yeah. of the stuff that he's done. <laughs> and like, wouldn't you want to be able to do I mean, I sometimes I'm like on the trail and I see like a seven-year-old grandpa on his own with a backpack. And I'm like, I want to be that person. And like, you're not going to be that person if you're in, if in these years when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you're not constantly keeping your body in good shape and it doesn't mean that you have to be a bodybuilder it doesn't mean that you have to run marathons but it just means just regularly keeping your body in a good shape so that so that you're just healthy further down the line i don't know specifically but i'm pretty sure there's many studies that would prove that you're less prone to a lot of diseases if you keep if you exercise and also for me i love to travel like i've traveled to cities where in order to go to a specific place, whether it's at the top of a church or whether it's at the top of a hill to see the view, you got to walk and you got to walk uphill. And I see people struggle. I see people give up. I see people saying, you guys go ahead to their kids. I'm staying down here. And it's just like you're, you traveled all the way to somewhere in Europe, or Asia or Africa, or even in the United States, somewhere you've always wanted to see. And now you're just depriving yourself of the ability to fully experience the, the beauty of the planet around us because you're just not fit enough and fit enough later in your years. And so that's also one of the main, main reasons why I, I like working out. Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir with me. That's like a big motivation for me. I've had various goals over the years, but in recent times, it's all about longevity and it's all about being fit enough to go on adventures and do the things I want to do. So you and I have the hiking in common, but people have other hobbies and interests and a lot of fun things, a lot of travel. Like you said, even if you're just sightseeing, like, when I've traveled to Europe, we've racked like tens of thousands of steps in a day, even yeah. if you're just walking walking to churches or shopping. And that stuff will take a toll on you if you're not fit. And you're right. Like, of course, you can get in shape or better shape, at least at any age. But why not start when you're younger? Unfortunately, I think uh, young people, we tend to like take things for granted, perhaps. Uh, and, and people have other concerns. There's obviously a lot of life transition like you said, people want to go out and have fun, but like doing even just a little bit when you're in your 20s and 30s will go a long way to setting you up to feel good later in life. Mm -hmm. I think about this too, like when I do go to a festival or when we've been able to go to Europe and go out like that, that stuff is really physical too. Like in oh, a yeah. sense, if you're partying, like you're on your feet for hours, even if you're just dancing and like, you know, swaying around a little. And if you don't have strong legs, you don't have resilient joints, comfortable footwear, of course, is important, like you mentioned, but you're going to feel a lot more beat up. Now, you might not feel that way if you're like 22, but by the time you get to be like 30, if you're still going out, you'll feel it. And so it also will help you just go out and, and party and travel and do those other things as well. Yeah. So that's very much my my philosophy of fitness. It actually, 100%, like what you said, is so true. It helps you to even party longer, harder, yeah. and better. Because I've been in a you know, group of friends. We're all at the same festival. And day three, I'm going. And then there's a friend who's like, oh, my feet, oh, my yeah. legs. Or like, 
they're staying in bed for half the day, missing half of the lineup or, or, you know, half of the day sightseeing because their body just can't handle it because they're out of shape. Yeah. And it's such a shame to miss out on something, especially if it was something that you really wanted to do just because you weren't fit enough. So yeah, very, very good reason to work out. So you obviously know a lot of people in the industry. And like I said before, I know you've managed artists and I know you have some close relationships with, with some artists, including some bigger names in, in the techno space and other parts of the industry. Do you know or does anybody come to mind if I say someone who you think does a really good job of taking care of their health or being in shape? Like, Does anybody come to mind? You don't necessarily have to name them specifically if you don't want to call them out. But if you could share, if you could think of anybody and if... Uh, you could share some of what they do that you think is like a good example of how to take better care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, a good friend of mine who's a local here to LA, uh, who is kind of blowing up right now. His name is Michael. He goes by Rinzen, uh, his artist name. He's a producer DJ that plays more uh, melodic, progressive, uh, ethereal soundscapes of techno and house. Uh, he, I really admire him because uh, I'm not sure if he's, uh, like fully sober because he just decided to cut out alcohol from from his life in order to just be fitter and be more in shape. But uh, if he's not fully sober, like the entire, you know, every day, I know he definitely takes very long breaks from drinking. Uh, he works out. He meditates. I know that I know that when he travels, he gets a, a workout at the gym at his hotels before the gig and then a nap. Uh, he seems to always be drinking like, you know, healthy juices and, and sort of tonics and things like that. I could just tell first I see it in him, like his face is radiant. He is always smiling. He seems to just always be in a good mood. Uh, and, you know, that may just be also who he is as a person. But like uh, that coupled with I've noticed, I mean, he's put on some good muscle mass uh, over the years. And he just seems to be on this like life trajectory and career trajectory where to me, it seems very evident that on top of his talent, his hard work and everything else, his own quest to take care of himself physically and mentally has really um, been one of the reasons why he has done so well recently. And there's a few other artists that I'm not as comfortable with sharing, who, yeah, but who I know <laughs> that are super into uh, working out. I when when I get their artist writers, there has to be a gym in the hotel, which you know it is most hotels, but they make a point of of saying like you know I I need to have a hotel with a gym who eat healthy, uh, who uh, don't make a point of never drinking if they're on tour or definitely not on the night of a gig only. That they finish playing maybe they'll have a drink or two you know instead of instead of having a bottle on their rider like a lot of artists do they just say hey like if i need a drink i'll tell you because that's again is one of those things where if you have a bottle there it's easy to get carried away if you just have to ask the promoter or whoever's handling the artist hey yeah could uh could i have a drink every hour couple of hours then suddenly you're just drinking less and I definitely recognize that that is kind of like a mechanism, a trick that artists who have some longevity in the industry have developed in order to stay fit while touring. Because I know that the artist's life is glorified, but I've been also a tour manager. I'm going to tour manage in two weeks. We're doing Montreal one night, New York the next night, Las Vegas the third night. It's little sleep, Ubers airports, airport meals, 
trying to get to the gig and then you're at the gig, you're surrounded by people, uh, people that offer you drinks, you know, the promoter says super excited that you're in their city. So they feel like you need to have fun and they think in order for you to have fun, that means you need a drink and maybe do other things. And it's just like, well, it's a job. It's a job, but it's in, so you, a lot of emerging artists, not all, but a lot struggle at the beginning because, of course, they're blowing up. They have all of these opportunities. They're traveling. Uh, they they think that they can sleep only a little and they can drink and they have a bottle. They finish a bottle in one night between them and their friends. And then, you know, several months of that and suddenly you see them burn out and, and uh, you see that their effects, you see, you hear stories going around. And, and so... I've noticed with a lot of artists that they've definitely put in place some habits, some positive habits and, and some things like some specific requirements on their riders in order to have a healthy touring lifestyle, which I think is really important. It's so interesting. There seems like an element of environmental control. Like you said, like, just don't put the bottle in your rider. Like, sure, you might still have drinks, but just having it right there is so tempting. So just taking that out of the equation is helpful. And then there really seems to be an element of like discipline where someone has to decide that they don't want to feel they want to feel as how am I trying to say this? I was going to say they don't want to feel shitty. They might feel shitty sometimes, but they want to minimize how shitty they feel. Right. Because sure. the job itself is very demanding in some ways. And then bringing these other things in like lack of sleep, extra alcohol, whatever, not working out like that only compounds it. And so you have to make a decision, I feel like, or maybe you have to learn a lesson that the way you were doing things isn't sustainable. It's interesting too. like in some ways, the industry is kind of young. Like a lot of the people that, you know, created this music and were first throwing parties are, they're all, a lot of them are still alive and they're still playing and stuff. Yeah. So there hasn't really been a lot of, I mean, I guess you have a long history of rock and roll and stuff, but it's a little bit different because the shows are later, people are playing longer sets. There's not really like a, a history of maybe people or role models to look to. So I feel like a lot of these people are probably just learning as they go and really blazing a path for future artists so that they can stay in the game. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. You you see some artists like uh, Sven Vath, who, for anybody who doesn't know, he's one of, sort of the pioneers of, of, of the underground techno music from Germany. He's got to be 60 now. He, yeah, he's up there. <laughs> yeah. And yes, uh, he's, uh, he's ripped. Yeah, it's like a six pack. He doesn't drink. He's into all, all sorts of like mental wellness. And you can tell like, I think he got to a certain point of his life where he said, like, I, I mean, there's videos of him but partying in the heydays of the 90s in Berlin. You've <laughs> I've seen, seen them. some of them. And yeah. like, I, I'm sure that at some point, you know, I, I, I think he's a father now, you know, I'm not sure if he's married, but that also brings other uh, priorities into one's life. And he just said, look, I got to take care of myself. Like, and, and, and then he's, his journey took that traject that positive trajectory at some point. But also what you said was really interesting, like the whole temptation thing. It's not unlike somebody who has bad eating habits. Like I have a sweet tooth. I think we've talked about this in the past. <laughs> and like there are certain things that if they are in the house and, I'm a, and I know they're in the house, then I will, I will uh, succumb to. Like sometimes it's harder to control myself. Another one is like for me, uh, if I get the munchies, if I get the munchies and there is ice cream and cookies and anything that's related with like peanuts, cookie dough, caramel, like it's just game over. So it's also like, that's why I only have limited amounts of those or none 
in my house so that when that moment comes, I, I maybe just have a banana or an apple or, uh, you know, whatever, a protein shake or something. Yeah, I mean, these tenets of behavior change will work in all types of environments. It's just that the home environment is different, obviously, than the nightlife environment. But yeah, like, so I, when I work with people that have these issues, it's never like, oh, you can never eat the sweet tooth stuff. But it's that you don't want it to be like right there. And like you said, with the munchies, like you don't want it to be so easily accessible in the moment when you're most vulnerable, perhaps. Exactly. I mean, maybe that's sort of like an end game for people that some people will get to. But for a lot of people, it's like, don't keep it in the house, but if you really want it, then you can go out and get it. And exactly. sometimes creating that extra bit of effort is enough to deter people from doing something that they maybe don't want to do or they don't need to do in the moment. Yeah. So I would love to know if you think that there's anything big picture that the industry can do to maybe promote better health. And I guess we can maybe think of it as people who work more in the industry. So artists and, and people like yourself, because with fans, there's maybe more options available. They don't have to go out as much. They don't have the same constraints of the job, like travel and staying up late and things like that. So for people that are, are choosing to work in the industry and want to have a career in it, like, what do you think might be helpful if there, if there is anything big picture to just promote more well-being for people? Um, yeah, I think there is, uh, at least I can, I can speak for myself, what has worked for me. I think before the body, there's the mind. And I think, uh, that has been the, the kind of the main thing that has helped me then focus on, on, uh, developing better habits for, for my body and for being, for having a better physical health. Uh, it's just first having, uh, uh constantly working on my mental health because, uh, it's never, uh, uh, a completed, you know, job. It's something that is constantly in progress. And so for me, uh, and for, and I think in this industry, which is also can be very cutthroat where there's a lot of late nights where there's, there, you have to work hard to even get to places that you want to get, which are kind of even still at the bottom kind of of the industry, because it, it, it it's a first an industry that also doesn't pay a lot of money. So you're really sacrificing a lot. You really need to have a strong pur purpose and intent, not just passion, but like the purpose. Like, why are you doing this? You got to really know why uh, you're doing it and really figure out what that why and have that drive every decision that you make. And then every decision that you have in front of you, you can, you can decide, am I going to drink this bottle of whiskey tonight or not? And does this align with what is my purpose in, in here? And so like, a lot of promoters that first start to do parties, for example, it's a hobby, right? And, and and because they're passionate about it, but they don't have a clear, dedicated purpose, an intent of where they want to go, what they want to achieve. They haven't quite figured that out. And so they're partying and suddenly, you know, they're getting drunk and they're doing too many drugs and, and they're, the, the quality of their parties start to starts to kind of uh, become lackluster. They're not running things professionally and that starts to affect the way uh, they uh, they perform. Uh, not realizing like this is, again, it's a career choice. It's, 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 it's a business. Even though you still want the music to be the focus at the end of the day, if you want to make it a career, then you have to treat it with its importance like if it were not any other job. And so having your mind straight I think is super important. And that includes, you know, I think figuring out what your 
for lack of a better word, your own philosophy is, your own mantra, what what works for you in order to keep yourself on on track and on the path to achieving your goals. And and I I've noticed that for some people for people it can be very different things. It can be one branch of philosophy versus the other. It could be meditation. It could be yoga. For some, it's just really uh, putting all their eggs on the physical stuff. And that kind of also feeds into the mental. Uh, but figuring that out, it's super important in my opinion, because then from that, you're then able, you have the foundation from which you can make all of your personal and professional choices and that's kind of like what really helped me when i first kind of started to do the events in la it's figuring out what kind of a person do i want to be how do i want to think how do i want to make decisions and uh you know discovering specific brands of branches of philosophy that i found really helped me which in particular for me was stoicism that catapulted me into a new level of, of performance a new level of being that i i hadn't achieved before and then that allowed me to then realize how important it was to take care of my body and and how that is also important and feeds into the mind and, and it becomes this positive feedback loop. Yeah, that's really powerful stuff. And you're right. I mean, it's if you want to do anything long term, you have to decide to take it seriously. And part of that is making sure that you put yourself in a position to be successful. And that might be different in one industry versus another. But really no matter what industry you're in as you said in the beginning like your physical health your mental health those two things are like the foundation of everything you do because you only, we only have one body and if um, your brain is a vital part of that if those things are not in a good place it's just going to be really difficult especially as you get older to continue to show up and, and do good work and do the things that you want to do so i love that you said that and i'll add to that like so i think of this as a fan um i never wanted this is like a side story i never wanted to get involved really in electronic music i know i loosely thought about maybe helping you out with some things way back in the day uh but like when i was leaving the classical music world it was a really painful experience because it had been like my entire identity and it was this thing that i did that was just a hobby and a passion and then all of a sudden i was trying to make a living at it and it kind of sucked all the fun out of it. And so when I was becoming really passionate about electronic music, which is at the same, literally the same time as I was like falling out of love with classical music, I said, you know what, like, I just want to do this for fun. Like, I don't really want to be involved. I don't want to make music. I don't want to be a DJ. And uh, I still feel that way, even though I know a lot of people that are fans do want to do those things. But for me, it's like, I work in fitness. I obviously care about my physical health and I know I do this thing where I go out and I go to shows and sometimes I go to festivals a few times a year that's on paper like not that healthy and probably a lot of coaches wouldn't do it but it's really important to me and I want to be as healthy as I can so that I can go do those things and they don't cost me as much. They don't like take as big of a toll on me and I can sort of bounce back quickly and get on with my life. Like is that Again, I, I'm sure like a lot of people in fitness are really judgmental. I'll just say that. But like for me, you know, I think that that's an important part of like building health and fitness into your life. Like whether you work in the industry or you're a fan is like figuring out what's important to you and then being in shape in service of that so you can do the things that you want, even if sometimes you're going to be tired, maybe sometimes you're hungover, like you're just going to be able to keep going and you're not going to burn out and bad things aren't going to happen. So I think um, it's really it's just like thinking more holistically, kind of like you said, the mind, yeah. purpose, the body, like all of the things that you're doing are so interconnected. Yeah, I completely agree. So we kind of talked a little bit about your own health and fitness. 
I'm curious, like, how hiking and all of that plays a role for you, because I know that that's a big passion of yours as well. What, I mean, what, how do you see that intersecting with the work that you do in nightlife? Is it like a nice release? Do you see the two as connected? I mean, maybe share some thoughts on that. It's actually, I see it more than the physical benefits that I get from hiking. It's the mental benefits, uh, because when you're hiking, you're surrounded by nature. You're surrounded by stillness. There's generally a lot less people around is generally quieter. Uh, the scenery is generally beautiful. Uh, you get time with yourself, you get time to reflect or, uh, you know, even if you have a group, there's a lot of, at least the way I like to hike, there's a lot of silent, uh, silent moments, silent hours, um, where you're able to, <clears throat> to just reflect. And I'm, for lack of better word known in my, in, in my, you know, friend group and even in, in, in the group of people that I work with as, you know, any chat, any weekend that I'm not working in an event, I, for most, uh, most of those times I'm out doing something re related with nature. And sometimes it could be a backpacking weekend. Sometimes it could just be going to the beach. Some other times it could just be a day hike or an afternoon hike or, or whatever. But it, it it helps me clear my mind. It helps me reconnect with myself. And then, of course, it puts my body in motion. So there's there's all the fitness benefits that come with it, too. Yeah, I feel the same way about hiking. It's nice to just be out in the world and um, be more connected to something like, for lack of a better word, like more primal, you know, and not we're not like sure. always on our screens. And it's nice to go somewhere that uh, not all people can get to. And there's certainly some element of you know, you feel accomplished when you do a hike, but I agree yeah. that it's it's more about just like the stillness and getting into your body and having that nice rhythmic connection. I do think it's a nice compliment to uh, what you get out of dancing or, or going out as well. Sure. It's a lot quieter for sure. <laughs> you don't need yeah. your earplugs. <laughs> <It is. laughs> so we're coming to the end a little bit here, but I have a couple of questions that are sort of just for fun that I would love to ask you. So around this time last year, so we are, we being especially people in the Midwest, but the U.S. dance community are all getting ready to go to festivals. I was going to mention movement specifically, which is in Detroit for anyone who doesn't know. And uh, we go every year and I recorded an episode of this podcast. I think it was like right around a year ago where I talked about how to uh, stay healthy at a music festival. So I sort of know what I think are my top tips and I would love to hear what some of your tips are, either that you use yourself or that maybe you tell other people to you know, not feel quite so beat up at the end of a, of a festival. <laughs> sure. Uh, don't get drunk until the third day. If it's a three day <laughs> festival, I, again, I will say that that is the number one. Like if you're going to get drunk the day one, uh, you're suffering day two, day three. Just don't, don't do that to yourself. But I will take that advice and kind of morph it into something more generic, like plan how you're going to have fun doing the, the 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 long festival weekend so again everything that you consume has a certain effect on your body and requires a certain recovery time and kind of recovery if you know your body you listen to your body you have past experience you know if i'm going to be hungover because i i drink all day on on let's say it's a friday saturday sunday event or a case of movement saturday sunday monday whatever the first day is if i'm going to drink that first day and then Sunday, I'm going to hate myself. I'm not going to enjoy the festival. I'm going to be lethargic. I may even miss the after party that I bought tickets for. So make 
just make educated decisions. Listen to your body. Just try to take a little bit of responsibility. You don't have to go all out. It is a marathon, not a sprint. I know everybody says it, but it, it's really true. It's just, um, it, and then kind of going back to what we discussed at the beginning, I, I do think the, you know, the sleep enough, eat well and drink enough, that kind of trifecta is really important. Uh, if I want to go into the smaller details, you know, then it's, it's you know, if you're going to be partying for three days, it is wear comfortable shoes, take breaks, wear earplugs, put sunscreen, even it, you you think oh you're in the Midwest but that Detroit sun I've seen people get burned. You, you see a lot of lobsters by day three. Yes, <laughs> you don't want to be that a person. Lot of, <laughs> a lot of people in the Midwest are not used to having sun or being out all day, and then suddenly it's like the first weekend in May that they're out in the sun. And or you could just have the better taste of music and you go to the underground stage, and then you you don't have that problem. For those who know the reference, yeah, but. I think I think like for like something like movement that is really uh, my main advice, um, and it's okay to take breaks. It's okay to between the festival and the after party. Sometimes I I if the headliner is not somebody I really have to see, I go to the hotel, I chill, I shower, I change, I I uh, you know I just lay on the bed just chatting you know with my friends, my wife, whatever. And I go to the after party. Like you don't necessarily have to just be go, 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 go all the time. Yeah, you basically said all the things that I said in my episode. I think the planning part, the planning part is definitely something that you learn from experience. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the sleep thing is so huge. Like you have to, you have to sleep. I think that the people who go in and and say even for like a day or into two days, they're not going to sleep are like making a huge mistake. (laughs) Um, And then of course, eat your plug sunscreen water, eat some, eat a real meal. Don't just eat a protein bar. Yeah. So we're, we're, uh, you can tell, I mean, I was talking to a client no, actually, I, I got my hair cut and the hairstylist asked me if I'd ever been to a festival. And I was like, oh, I've been to like <laughs> 20 festivals. I know Marco's been to even more, but, you know, learn from our uh, experience and, and follow, follow some of Marco's tips. Yeah, and, and all of these tips come from mistakes that we've made. Like, oh, yeah, don't definitely. think that we just figured it out <laughs> at the first festival, you know. I've had the sunburn. I've, I've had I mean, all of that. I've been through it, so... The uh, the first EDC Vegas that I went to in 2012 that I mentioned at the beginning, I was like a complete noob and I hadn't even really been to many like rock shows or anything. Um, I'd been to the symphony a bunch of times, but I didn't wear earplugs. And I, I learned that lesson was something that I ever since then, I have always worn earplugs, you know, at every single show, I bring them with me when I go out to a bar, like I bring them everywhere. And so like, that's a mis- because I had some bad you know i didn't feel very good after going through so yeah yeah, you definitely learn but maybe you can learn a little bit sooner if you're younger you have you haven't been to you know many of these events so the uh, last thing i want to ask you before i ask you to just share where people can find you is if you have any like favorite dance music experiences so this could be working could be a show you went to i know you've been to like hundreds if not thousands of shows over the decades um, all over the world. But if any of them or any recent ones stick out that you can share, I'm very curious to hear about this. Oh, that's a tough <laughs> question that you yeah. asked me. You put me on the spot. Um, I mean, I've, I've had some, I think, I think the, it's hard to pinpoint like specific ones, but I would say, uh, some of the sort of uh, the the pillar experiences um, that I had as a, as a music fan, some of them have been at AD, which is Amsterdam Dance Event, 
is uh, the event actually in Amsterdam where I met my wife uh, that year that you and James were also there. Uh, but uh, there's definitely been some performances there that I've seen uh, that that uh, I would say were really pivotal to uh, my evolution as a fan. But uh, but also the first time I went to ADE since living in the United States, this was in 2016. You know, I was still going through what was a, a, a traumatic breakup uh, uh, for me. And um, I still didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I didn't know if I wanted to leave Los Angeles. I'd moved there, uh, you know, 10 months earlier. Uh, then was going through the breakup. So I was in Europe. I was trying to kind of figure myself out and I was AD. Um, and I remember seeing uh, some specific sets. One specific one that was that I will never forget was uh, Luke Slater back to back with, with FaZe. I, I remember just being there and just being like, I want more of this and I want to be able to bring more of this to LA, to the States. And like uh, th this feeling that I have right now I was also surrounded, uh, I was with a crew of like not my usual closest friends, uh, but people that like I was just connecting with and having a really, really good time. And 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 I just realized the power uh, of electronic music in connecting with people. Something that I kind of haven't mentioned is I've moved a lot. So, uh, you know, in Italy, I lived in five cities. In the UK, I lived in two, three different places. Uh, you know, in the U.S., I've lived in a few different places. And so I also lived away from my family from a very young age, from my like mid-teens, actually. And so I never really had a family or like a group of friends that kind of I stuck with for a long time. And so once I finally found electronic music, I then found, built and found this, 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 this group of friends that um, have brought so much joy and happiness to my life through this music. And I remember just being there on that, at, at that moment and just realizing this is amazing. Like this is why people go to these shows. It's to connect with people, but also this feeling that I'm having, this is what I want to bring to other people. So I know that that is a moment that was very, very, you know, pivotal to me. You know, there've been other moments that have been sort of like, um, uh, hallmark moments that I, you know, that I will, that I will never forget in Detroit. There's been several of those at uh, the underground stage for sure. Or even some of the after parties, um, uh, DVS one wall of sound in LA was another one where I was like, you know, it's one of those nights where everything is just right. The sound, the crowd, the lights, and, and, you know, I helped to put it together. So there was a sense of accomplishment. I, I was really proud of it. And Zach, DVS1, has been, you know, when, when we've done shows, a little bit of a mentor to me because he has made me understand uh, what are the elements that are important to uh, a good techno experience and why. And so, um, yeah, I would say those, you know, movement, AD, some of these events in LA have been some of my best. Being in Berheim, I have to say, I will admit, uh, not even one particular set, but just the experience of being there in this club and and feeling completely engulfed by the atmosphere, the sound, the people, and just feeling like, I don't know how I got here. 
you know, in my life, <laughs> yes. but I am here. That's exactly and, how you feel when you're in there. <laughs> but I, but I, I feel like I belong, even though I'm very different to a lot of people here. I'm also very similar. And, and just that togetherness that you feel there with the music and with the people, even complete strangers, that was really special. Yeah, I love that I was at a lot of those events with you, not yeah. the LA ones, but some, some of the other no, ones. For and, sure. and you're right. I mean, at the best events there's like something that happens like things just come together and like it sounds really cliche but if you've experienced it you know that it's real like the differences dissolve and you like you feel connected to the people there like you're sharing a unique experience that most people will not have especially at a place like like Berghain I'll just share for the listeners I know Marco has heard this story I think he has at least one of our uh Berghain stories which is like one of my favorite ever stories from partying it has nothing to do with music but uh, James and I were there. I think it was the first time we were there. We've been there twice. And uh, we were like on the side of the main room and there's like huge speaker towers there. And uh, there was a guy dancing. I mean, there's a lot of people around, but there was a guy dancing and he kept reaching for something. The speakers had like cords wrapped around them. I'm making uh, visuals of my hands, but the audience can't see. But imagine like a big cord wrapped around the speaker and he had something like tucked in there and we were trying to figure out what it was and it was a bag of boiled potatoes <laughs> so yeah, this I guy who probably <laughs> probably has been to Berghain like dozens of times he knew exactly like i'm gonna be hungry I, I know i can bring in food i know i'm gonna be here and what he chose to bring was a boiled a literally a ziploc bag of boiled potatoes so um you really see all kinds that's the of most like things. northern european <laughs> northern eastern european thing ever too you know what i mean Maybe yeah. I would bring some pasta, but no, he brought <laughs> some boiled potatoes. You know what I mean? It's smart too, because they'll keep out of the fridge. They're filling. True. They give you a lot of energy. Like it was very yeah, impressively oh. well thought out. Yeah. So um, that's probably not the story that people expect when you, when you talk about <laughs> Berghain, but that's partially why it's it's one of my favorites. It's it's a magical place. <laughs> I do have to say two two more events. Sorry, I thought of that are that were uh, really really pivotal. Um, a Speedy J said that I saw a digital. This was in April of, I want to say 2017. Blew my mind. I mean, he uh, is phenomenal behind the decks and just that experience. I actually traveled there alone and I connected with uh, a group of people through social media, some some Swiss and Austrian uh, kids, you know, kids, guys. And we just like, we just got along and that they adopted me into their crew. And it was just the music and that experience with them. Again, meeting complete strangers that I'd never met before, just through social media. You guys are going, I'm alone. Yeah, come with us. And then like, I, what, I met them in their hotel room. I'm like, is this, they're going to rob me? What's going to happen? No, nicest, peop <laughs> nicest people ever. And we, we had an amazing time and we stayed in touch since. And then uh, I had the Synthetic Minds, which is one of my brand's anniversary recently uh, with Oscar Molero. And he played an extended set. And this was uh this was in March, so it was, it was like basically last month, but it was less than two months ago. Um, and it it I just it reinvigorated a purpose inside of me that uh you know when you do a lot of the same thing, a lot of the same events, and uh, it's also like different kind of techno, different kind of music. Sometimes you know you you need that spark back, and um I would have to say that just musically the experience it wasn't even the best attended event. But the vibe and and his his performance were were in my opinion top notch and um that again it reignited that similar spark that I had 
when I saw Ashley Faze and 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 Luke Slater playing at ADE back in back in 2016. So uh, definitely one I had to mention. That's great. I remember you talking about that on social media or, or talking to us about it. And it's just so special when you have those moments and especially yeah. for you who, who, who throw a lot of events and, and go out so often. So, uh, well, thank you, Marco. This was fun. It's nice to have a different uh, guest and also to talk about, I mean, this is something that's a big part of my life that I don't always get to share in my professional work. So it's really cool to, to have the intersection and I uh, really appreciate, you know, you coming on and sharing your thoughts. So if people want to find out more about you or, or find your parties, you know, go ahead and plug away, tell the people where they can find you. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm on social media. You can find me. My uh, social media handle is Italian, because that's what, what I am. Uh, Reckoner. Uh, there's a whole funny story behind his name, but Reckoner refers to a Radiohead song. And I had to change my name when I was going through my whole uh, visa green card process because I didn't want people to find my social media, but so it's so it's it, it stuck. People know me, come up to me at parties. Are you Italian Reckoner? I'm like, I'm Marco, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So at Italian Reckoner, um, and then the the events that we do uh, in LA, uh, some of the brands that you can look for is uh, Six Am Group with six the number, uh, Synthetic Minds, but it's with a K, Synthetic with a K Minds. Uh, uh, then uh, work LA presents is another one, and then we have a little festival brand called Reform presents too. So those are kind of the brands and the things that I'm involved with. Yeah, I'll be sure to link all those too in case people are unsure about spelling. All right, Marco. Well, like I said, this was really fun. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and I uh, look forward to Detroit. Yeah, and hopefully the Great Beyond. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> I know. Uh, Still trying <laughs> we'll to talk you. more about this later. <laughs> sure. All right. And to everybody listening, thank you so much. And I will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.